The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. I am so glad to be back with you again, continuing in our theme of health. I have recently met a really lovely person and she's doing fantastic work in the health space, the wellness space, and I want to introduce you to her. Her name is Amy Gernot, and she's a vitality coach. So let me read a little bit about her for you. She's a vitality coach and mentor for women and master in the art of integrating health for greater life wealth. Her clients are finance professionals, sales and marketing experts, NASA leaders, active duty military women, and real estate brokers. An expert in introducing women to their innate resilience in private and corporate settings. Founder of Amy G. Vitality and the Well-Nourished Woman Network, Amy began her path to wellness work through her own health journey after experiencing years of chronic health issues and burnouts before learning how to heal herself. This is a lot of the overlap that she and I have. After her own observation and experimentation, she realized she'd been living a half-life based on predetermined script and flipped her script to devote her energy to supporting women to reclaim their health and vitality. Amy conducts her business based in deeply rooted values for nourishment and self-trust. I love that. She guides women in learning how to come home to their bodies and care for themselves in unique ways to create deeply nourished lives. Through her services, women heal themselves and turn toward the path of building a deeply nourished life to become the best versions of themselves. Amy Gernot, welcome to the Women's Sanctuary. Arlia, thank you so much for having me. I am so looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, the Women's Sanctuary is all about hearing women's stories, helping them learn to, as you say, trust themselves, go into deeper relationship with themselves. And it's a sacred space for us to connect with each other and share those stories. You and I deeply connected over the fact that we've been, each been through our own wellness journey, the challenges of chronic conditions, chronic illness, whatever we have coming up, and then really having to find the answers for ourselves, do our, be our own investigator to, to learn and communicate and have a relationship with our own body and its wellness and its beingness. So I'd love to hear more about your journey, about how you got 
the, the issues that you were facing and how they brought you into helping other women with them. Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting to me how so many of us women in the wellness world are here because of our own journey or the journey of a loved one that we just, no one had answers for. And it's like, we know there's an answer out there somewhere. How do we go about finding it when it seems like everywhere you look, it's like the doors are being closed Mm -hmm. as far as just finding the way out, like every door is closed. So my health issues really started very young, about two years old, I had chronic digestive issues. I had gastroparesis, which is like the bowels don't really move. I had compacted bowels. I had lots of immune problems, ear infections, cold, sinus infections, strep throat for a very good portion of my life. The digestive issues cleared to some degree as I got to about junior high, but they just turned into other things. So then I had menstrual cycle issues and I had bloating and I had inflammation and then I started chronic headaches. And so it was like, they moved from one thing to another thing. And they just stayed really present with me until I was about 30. And around that time, I started to have more symptoms and the doctors wanted to put me on medication at that point for some reflux issues. And I was like, I am 30 years old. I just don't want to go down this path of being on medication. And that's really what it was looking at that point. Cause there were just no answers. So I found this little book called natural alternatives to Nexium. I knew really nothing about the holistic wellness world at this point, found this little book at Barnes and Noble and I went and bought it. I still have it and sat down and read it. And there were a lot of things that presented in there. And one of them was gluten. And so this is like 2010. And so there was nothing about gluten Mm -hmm. at this point. Nobody was talking about it. There were, were not restaurants didn't know what that mean. Grocery stores didn't know what that mean. I found one website and I think we talked about it. Gluten-free girl. And shout out the gluten-free girl who was really helping everybody at that point learn to be gluten-free. She really was. I'm so grateful that she wrote her book and that she had her website because I just could find no information on what I was doing. And so I decided it doesn't really cost me anything to do this. I don't know what this means. (laughs) And so I just jumped in and went for it. And it was really challenging the first Mm -hmm. month because I had cereal for breakfast and sandwiches for lunch and pasta or bread for dinner. So it was everywhere in my diet, but I stuck with it. And within about three months, I just had radical transformation in my health. I was the bloating was about 80% gone, which is something I'd had since I was two years old. So that had always been with me. My chronic headaches were gone. I have not had them since. So this is now 13 years later, the chronic headaches are gone. I have not had a sinus infection since then. And I had four to five per year prior to that. My menstrual cycle started to regulate just all of this cascade of things happened. And I just, at the end of about three months, I just looked up and said, what happened? I'm no one has ever talked to me about food being that powerful. Food was always just calories in, calories out, low fat diet, Mm -hmm. the kind of the standard American fare. And as I started to really ask questions at that point, like what, I don't understand what happened in my body. So I want to really understand what happened in my body. And so I went the nutrition route and started studying through SM Price Foundation, then became certified as a holistic nutritionist, then um, functional nutrition and the nervous system. And I learned quite a bit during that time. And then I had another really big health scare. At the end of 2015, I had something called vestibular neuritis. 
arthritis, which is chronic vertigo. And it was very severe. I was actually pretty disabled for about a year. I couldn't drive for about seven months. And I had very extreme chronic fatigue because one side of my brain, one side of that vestibular system was getting completely different information than this side. And then my brain's trying to process it. So I had incredible brain fatigue and body fatigue for that time. And it actually took me about two and a half years to fully recover from it. And during that time, I could look at it and say, I was doing everything right. I was eating really well. I knew how to take care of myself like that. I had a really strong yoga practice. I was a yoga instructor. When you looked at it outside looking in, everything looked really good. What I didn't really understand at that point was stress, emotional stress, trauma, Mm. and all of those things and how they really affect the body. And I had signs leading up to the neuritis happening. I was having bouts of very extreme fatigue. And I was just like, oh, I'm doing everything right. So I'm just going to keep going and not listening to my body. Mm. Because although I had made changes and I was feeling better, I didn't really learn how to listen to my body quite yet. I still was like, the food is what's making the difference. And Mm -hmm. yes, it absolutely was supporting me, but my body was doing the work. And that was my disconnect. I didn't really equate it to my body doing all of these amazing things. I gave Mm -hmm. all the power to the food. And again, food is very important and it's a critical piece to me this day. And I still wasn't listening to my body Mm -hmm. on the whole. And so that experience of going through feeling like I was doing everything right and then having a pretty debilitating health issue really, oh, it's almost like it opened the floodgates to the human body and the woman body and how to really live in and navigate and work with and coming to this understanding that our symptoms are not something that we want to just go in and fix like it's a problem to be fixed. It really is a pathway to lead you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that was what was happening. And so over the course of the last, that was in 2015, this past eight years now has been this journey really into being in my body, listening, understanding her symptoms, and then now getting to take my clients to that place instead of the pill for a problem or a protocol for a problem. Yeah. It's just tr- completely transformed the way I live in and with my body. That's beautiful. There, there are so many things that, that stand out to me there. One is that we're not taught how to listen to our bodies. The second thing is the intricacies of our nervous system and, how, and our emotions and how those play into it. I, I, the place I want to start, though, is when you said, I thought I was doing everything right. We're such systematic creatures, right? We want, we want I, I remember being in my in-depth spiritual work and at a weekend and one of, in frustration, one of the women sitting next to me went, is there just a manual? Can we just get a manual? <laughs> and I'm like, everybody's no, there is no manual. And but what, it doesn't mean that we all have to figure it out. A, there are some guidelines. B, just because you're following the manual doesn't mean it's going to work perfectly yeah. because we are such complex beings. Yes. How did you, what did you come to learn about listening to your body? How did you learn to do that? And what did, and what does that look like? Yeah. 
So during that time where I was very sick, we were, of course, throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this situation to get me back to normal, which was really, as I look at it now, it makes me laugh. So, okay, I wanted to go back to the path that brought me to this place. Like, why do I want to go back there? But that's what we do. We're like, I just want to get back to feeling good again. But that path also led you to not feeling well. So we don't want to go backwards. We want to open the path forward. And so during that time, we were throwing all of the supplements at it. I did human growth hormone. I did this supplement that's actually for the NFL concussion protocol. We just did everything we could think of. And I actually got worse doing all of that. I actually got more, like more exhausted. My body was just really shutting down by throwing all of this mm. stuff at it. And they were all things that you would look at and say, this is all really good stuff. And yet my body was just rejecting it. It so occurs to me, it might've always also been the stress of trying all those approaches. Yes, absolutely. The stress of trying all of it and looking for the magic bullet. It's even though I have the training that there's no magic bullet, I'm looking for the magic bullet of what is going to just at least switch on this process of getting and accelerating it, which at the time I didn't understand enough about the nervous system and the titration and the pace of a body really going through a healing process. Cause we're just, you know, you take a pill and within three days you're good to go and you're back on the road again. Yeah. And so we don't understand the full process. It really takes for a body to be well, even from a cold, we want to get back to business in three days. And sometimes our bodies really need a couple of weeks for it to come full circle again. So during that time, the only thing that was actually helping me was physical therapy, mm. had some pretty intensive physical therapy, and it was all about movement. It was all the way a bunch of head turns and me walking and turning my head because essentially my brain needed to build new pathways to get me back to a balance point because it was going to take the nerve a long time to heal because there's actually damage to that vestibular nerve. So that is what really was the most helpful. It was very exhausting, but it was the most helpful in beginning to reduce those really extreme vertigo symptoms. So I had to, at some point, I just said, I'm done. I'm stopping everything. And so I had to clear the field. I had to almost just clear all the clutter in my mind of what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm. And I just had to stop. And so I continued the physical therapy for about four months. And when I was done with that, there was things for me to continue at home. And I just stripped the field said, okay, I'm just going to get up every day and feed myself. I'm going to go sit outside in the sun. I'm going to do the, I'm going to move my body and put myself in environments that are uncomfortable. That was part of it. Like being outside where there's a lot of stimulation and a mm -hmm. lot of places to look was very overwhelming for my body. Being in a store with lots of shelves and things on the shelves was very overwhelming. So I just had to start just incrementally putting myself in environments that were comfortable and I slept and rested a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was very hard for me. I was definitely a busy is my badge of honor. Let me do all the things. I am constantly on the go. I don't, I rest, but I don't rest. And it was very challenging for me to do that. I would like, if someone would come to the door, I'd get up like to look like I was just normal and functional, even though I was yeah. absolutely exhausted. Cause I didn't also want to be seen in that, what I considered at the time that weakness. And so I rested and slept a lot and I just went, took everything back to basics mm -hmm. and decided that me trying to force it is not 
going to work. I need to allow my body to do what it needs to do. And so every day I just started asking my body, what can I do today to support you? What's too much? What do I need to do more of? And that was it. And so for the next two years, it was just this very slow incremental process of listening and just doing what my body asked for and learning what that even was. Like, I just, I still didn't really have the language for that yet. It just is the process I started doing because really nothing else was working. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's so much there and I'm struck by stripping it back to basics. I think that's a lot of times that's the place where you, you have to, you said clearing the clutter. Yeah. There's no space for anything new if you're full exactly. and you can't hear, you can't receive. Mm-hmm. If your plate is full of solutions, yeah, this will fix me. I love and, that. And to be able to clear the decks and then be open and listening and communicating with your body. I did that when I went through my spiritual awakening 20 years ago. That's what I did spiritually. All my belief systems, they just went out the door. We're starting over. Who am I actually? And the same thing happened two years ago with my wellness journey. I thought I had all the answers. Things still really weren't working. I had a lot of inflammation, weight gain, discomfort, chronic conditions, all of those. And I did the same thing. Like we're wiping the slate clean and we're going to figure out what my body's actually wanting to eat. Imagine that. Yeah. I know. (laughs) And it's amazing when you do that, one of the things you have to strip away, and I've been talking about this, is not just your own, it's integrated, your own beliefs and all the beliefs you've been given about what's good for you. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, you leave the path, you leave the, the 10 lane, 12 lane highway of how everybody else is doing it. Because it seems like the right way to do it. And that to me was the most amazing thing. It's like, oh, here's a new level of yeah, finding my own path. It just, it struck me how, how we're swimming in the water of the cultural ways that we eat and care for our bodies. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I was like, is that a movie? (laughs) How we're impacted by the culture in ways we're not even aware of. Yes. One of the exercises I love to take women through, like if I'm doing a group, a group talk on feeding yourself, like, what does that mean to like feed yourself, not just eat, like Mm -hmm. actually feeding yourself. And so something I'll have them do is I will print out some uh, menus from a local restaurant and I'll put them in front of them and I put them upside down and I say, okay, I want you to flip this over. And without thinking, I want you to start writing down all the thoughts that go through your head when you Mm. look at this menu. Because we have no idea the narratives, just like you said, the cultural landscape, the narratives that are playing, that are actually making the decisions for you that you don't even realize because Mm, they're so programmed. And so they'll flip it over and they'll just start writing things down of, I better not eat this because of this. And, oh, I should stay away from that. I should probably have a salad because that's the healthy thing. Mm -hmm. And so they start writing this down and it's eye opening for them to realize what there's all of the thoughts that go through their head in this simple act of looking at a menu to choose something to feed their body. Mm. 
it's not their own voice and it's not the voice of the body. It's all these other voices that are present and they're actually dictating the decision. So the cultural piece is huge. And then even the cultural pressure, if you're at a table of women and all all these women order a salad, because that's what's acceptable for us to eat in public. If they all order a salad, the pressure for you to not get the steak is high because you feel like I should go, I, oh, they're all eating this. That's the healthy thing. Even though for you, a salad, which I can speak for myself, sat big salads on a regular basis do not work for my body. <laughs> my body does not like a lot of raw food on a regular basis. I had basis. that experience a couple of months ago. I went to a networking event. It was very fairly small, half a dozen, no, about a dozen women sitting at a table ordering in an Italian restaurant and they all ordered salads. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want a salad. So I ordered a pizza. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. and here I am purporting to be like part of my work as a wellness coach and I'm eating a pizza. I'm like, I don't care. I'm eating my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said that it was just so funny. That's so funny that you had a recent experience of that because yeah. I experienced the same thing. And in being in the wellness world, there's this idea of what we're going to eat or what we're going to recommend to someone. People usually think I'm going to ask them to become a vegan or mm. vegetarian that's usually the first thing. And a lot of celery juice and supplements and all these things. And I'm like, no, what it's again, like stripping it back. Like, what do you actually want to eat? Do you know what that is? I do again, like clearing, making space, clearing all of that clutter out of all mm. the things that you're programmed to think. I had a, a client a couple of years back that we were having this type of conversation. And so part of the process that I led her through is like, I want you to open the fridge. And the first thing that you gravitate towards, I want you to eat it. Even if it's in with something else, it doesn't matter to me. I just want you to pull that out and eat it. Cause we want to build that level of self-trust mm. that you can look in the fridge or look at a menu and be completely okay with whatever you choose. Mm. Self-trust is huge. And as you were talking, I had a question. <clears throat> How do you teach someone to discern the difference between what I'll call the ego and the voice of the body, because, because that's real. E even when you Very say you stripped away the culture, there's also that little 13 year old inside, mm -hmm. like I'm having ice cream for dinner. So that's also, that's what I want. So that's what I'm going to do. But there's a deeper mm -hmm. layer of that, isn't there? There is, there's a deeper layer of that. And so like the exercise with opening a fridge and eating something, that's step one. It's just being okay with following an instinct. Mm. And once we get okay with following an instinct, then we can ask those next level questions. Okay. Your instinct is to gravitate towards this. Why? What then ask yourself this question. Is it something that I just know, just inherently know there's no emotion attached to it. It's a very neutral decision. Mm. It's not, and it doesn't mean you can't be like, oh, that just sounds so wonderful. Something like that. It's that there's no real emotion attached to that. It is a very neutral decision, making this choice for your body, because it's not based off of the 13 year old. That's I want the ice cream and I'm going to eat the ice cream. And then you justify eating the mm -hmm. ice cream because that's what my body's telling me. Right. So it's then beginning to separate out where again, like that next level down, what is that? Where is that voice coming from? Is it actually yours or mm. is it the 13 year old or is it the, the parent in your ear or is it the friend in your ear or the community that you're involved in? So it's like a step process to get to be able to separate the two. And 
you're still human. So I still have moments when I'm just like, oh, I want this. And I'm sure that's what my body wants. And I eat it and my body's no, that's mm-hmm. not actually what I wanted. Yeah. So it still happened. And that's completely okay. That's the human aspect of us. Cause you could have had a very stressful day or just super busy and you're trying to listen to yourself and it's hard to get through the noise sometimes to really hear. So we do the best we can. It's never about this being a perfect practice. It's just about the openness to learning yourself to a higher and higher degree every day. Mm, I love that. And you mentioned, yeah, that sense of perfectionism is is a sticky trap as well. It is. Yes. But you it also mentioned you mentioned being busy and overwhelmed and stressed. Mm-hmm. I know that plays a part in not only the choices we make about food, but how our body deals mm-hmm. with life. Say more. Absolutely, that. absolutely. So when you're in that space of overwhelm, when we talked um, previously about just being having so much on your plate. And I loved the plate analogy that you gave of the plate of solutions, because it really is a very similar thing Mm -hmm. where you've got so much on your plate that you actually can't discern what, what you really Mm -hmm. want. It is going to be based off of the chaos of the day or the overwhelm of the day or the stress place that you're in, where you want to be either soothed or going to choose something to like soothe and calm. And again, There's no judgment here about doing this. We've all been there. We all do it. I still do it sometimes where I'm like, I just want the world to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And I love this particular food. And that's going to help me be quiet right now. It's not a judgment thing or a shame thing at all. This is part of how our world is. Our world is very busy. Busy is a badge of honor, like being productive and having and being the superwoman and doing all the things is seen as like a high achievement, even though our bodies very clearly, especially over the past 50 years for women, as our chronic illness rates have very much increased, they have increased across the board, but for women, we see so much more gut issues, so much more autoimmune conditions. So we are really at this kind of precipice point of being in this place of overwhelm where the overwhelm is dictating our choices. And Mm -hmm. so when we come to that place, then we have to actually work with the overwhelm before we go to body wisdom, because you're not going to be able to hear it. And that is just the reality. Yeah. You will not deal with the overwhelm first before you can even hear your body. Yes. Yes. Because it's all, if you think about it, it's like the overwhelm is like an encasement around you. And so it's like, you've got to get through to that encasement to your body to even be able to hear. So if you try to go here and really listen to your body first, you're going to get frustrated because you're not going to be able to hear and you're not going to be able to trust yourself. And of course you're not, you've got this encasement around you with all of these voices and all of these to do's and all of the chaos of the world to get through, to even hear like that still small voice. So we've got to go to the overwhelmed place first and start working with that So we can get you to a place where it's quiet enough that you can hear. Okay. So let's get practical. Give give our listeners some tips on how to do that, how to get through the overwhelm. So the number one place that I work with on the overwhelm with women is their schedule. So, because that's typically what's creating the overwhelm. There's too much on your feeling attacked, Amy. So this it's is for a, you today, earlier. <laughs> it's it's always a challenge. Can keep going. 
It is. It, and it is a challenge. And that's why a lot of times we just won't do anything because we look at our schedule and we look at all the things we're committed to and the things that we are obligated to. And we say, mm-hmm. how in the world do I tackle this? This is a beast. Like there, there's no way. And you don't tackle the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I get really specific with women. I start, we start to go through different areas of their life. So we don't attack the whole thing all at once. It might be that we start with their work schedule. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at their work schedule and say, okay, and coming from a place right now of this person has their own business. Okay. So we'll keep it in that kind of context just to make it really simple. Cause it is different if you're working a nine to five or you're working Mm -hmm. for someone compared to having your own business. So in the context of someone having their own business, what we'll start to do is look at how they're spending their time. And we'll even look at things like, how long are you on a call with someone? Are you on a call? What is this call for? And why are you on it for 90 minutes? Maybe you need to be on it for 30 minutes. Is you're putting so much of your time and you're over giving in this particular area when it doesn't need to be this much. There's things that can be accomplished in 30 minutes or maybe even a message rather than an entire 90 minute phone call. This could have been an and so email. we start to just look. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, why are we in a meeting right now? This could have been an email and we would have been done and we would not have wasted an hour of everybody's time when we just needed a little bit of back and forth. And so we have to start evaluating those things because that's where the energy leaks are happening that are impacting your health. Because you have to think something that you're going to now devote 90 minutes to that could have been a five minute email there's 90 minutes of your energy going out to this thing that you don't immediately get back, especially if you've got some health things going on. That's a lot. It's a tremendous amount of energy. And if you're doing that multiple times a day or multiple times a week, then that's one place where you can say in this particular instance, I am going to change this. I'm no longer going to do these 90 minute calls to really, truly evaluate. Is this something that can be an email or is this a 30 minute call? And I'm going to have a boundary around getting off at 30 minutes. And that if the call is not complete, you can schedule to reconvene at another time and continue the process. But I'm going to actually do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And usually that's what we do. We find one or two areas for them to start chipping away at. So we don't look at the entire schedule and revamp it. We say these two things right here free up so much energy for you, so much of your capacity that those might end up being the only two things we actually have to address. Beautiful. Yes. Otherwise you've added another layer of overwhelm. You add another layer of overwhelm. Wow. (laughs) Precisely. How do, how do a woman's cycles and their cyclical nature impact our health and how we deal with these overwhelming schedules and busy lives? Mm. This is such a, I actually really love this topic. Again, I'm going to put a a caveat here. If we're in a place of overwhelm, we're not going to start with your cycle Mm. because you're not going to, again, same thing of for you to be able to listen to the ebb and flow of, let's just say a woman who's having, still having a 28 to 35 day cycle. If you are in this place of overwhelm, you're not going to be able to look at that because just like you just said, it's another place of overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Now you're like, oh my gosh, I have to schedule this at this time in my period and this at this time in my cycle and this at this time. And then you'll go back into the place of overwhelm. So this is something that is depending on where you're at. If you're in a state of overwhelm, this is a few, this is a few stages down the line. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be something that we would look at immediately. 
So having said that, when we get to the place of looking at the menstrual cycle or your cyclical nature in general, we're looking at both the 24 hour circadian biology, as well as that 28 to 35 day infradian rhythm. So we look, I look at both because they both are very important in the 24 hour when you're seeing natural light and you're getting outside and you're having those exposures, those signal different hormones to be produced at different times. So that is a really critical piece of the puzzle. And oftentimes I'll start with circadian first because it is a bit more simplified as far as Mm -hmm. just being the day to day and getting some habits in place there. And then we'll look at the larger infradian because as you go through the process of your cycle, you literally are a different woman every week. You're designed Mm. to be different. And we live based off of how men operate so beautifully in their 24 hour. They only have that. They can so much more easily be the same and have the same level of energy day to day because they're designed to only have that rhythm. We have both. So every week you actually are different because you have a completely different chemical expression happening in your body. It's beautiful. So when you start your cycle and you're going into that, what that first cycle is the follicular phase. So the first Mm -hmm. phase, that's when your estrogen levels are coming up. I call it like that, the blooming cycle. So it's like the energy is coming up, you're coming up here. And when you get to ovulation, it's like you're in full bloom. So your energy is typically going to be higher through that first half of your cycle. And then as we go down on the other side and that progesterone starts coming up, progesterone to me is like the soft hormone. So it's much softer. It's just more, it's a little bit more quiet. It's almost just has an ease about it. Whereas estrogen to me is like the outgoing hormone. So it's like, you've got your extroverted hormone and your introverted hormone. doesn't mean you're going to be completely that different during your cycle, but you Mm -hmm. can get a feel for that. And so as we peak with all of our hormones, just after ovulation, and then everything starts to change with that progesterone being high and the estrogen being low, then you are naturally softer. There is a lower energy. And as you go into the menstrual cycle, you may even notice a much lower energy where you really want to go internal. You need to rest more. You want, you don't schedule big events and things like that during that time, because your energy is naturally lower. Doesn't mean that doesn't happen. I just had an event last month. I had to go to where I was on like the second day and the heaviest day of my cycle and my body was puffy and I was tired, but I gave myself the afternoon off to rest for that because Mm -hmm. I knew that my body wouldn't require that for me to have enough energy to go through that event. And your cycle plays a very important role to what your schedule looks like. And again, it's something we usually get to a little bit down the line because we do need to clear the clutter a bit. We need you to be able to hear your body a bit more before we can incorporate the cycle. Typically, if I'm working with a woman on the entire picture, that whole thing might take us six months to a year Mm -hmm. to get the whole picture done. Because again, The body doesn't move like this all the time. Mm -mm. It depends on how much you've got on top of it, where you can start to accelerate. I like to say that wellness does have an order to it. It doesn't start with high momentum. You build the momentum as you go to where then things can shift a lot faster down the line, but it doesn't start out that way, which can be really frustrating. And I know that from personal experience. So the cycle plays an important role because you are so different every single week. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful place when you can start to get there and realize that. And then you can have so much grace for yourself and how you schedule your time. And like you said, getting off the 12 lane highway and onto these side roads and these dirt paths, 
and creating your own map of how you're going to work and operate in the world based off of the signals and sensations your body's actually giving you because you're so in tune with it. Uh, That's just so beautiful because then you become the path you're on is aligned to who you're actually, who you actually are. Yes. That's an amazing concept. (laughs) It's amazing. I know. It's an amazing concept. Like you get off that highway and onto these beaten paths and you really start to find you. And I was thinking about it this morning, actually, before we got on here about learning how to, and the words that I was using this morning was like learning how to use your human to be well. Mm. So it's like your human has this amazing capacity for you to be well, but we don't know how to utilize it because we're Mm -hmm. so used to looking for all of those external things. And in doing so, we're on that 12 lane highway. We're not on the path to ourselves. And when you start to look at how can I use myself as a human to be well, now you're on the path to yourself because there is not another single human on the planet that can give you that information. So there's also not, as we said, there's no, therefore no magic bullet. There are a bunch of possibilities and yeah. things to find that are actually right for you. That That's yes. beautiful. I, I love where we are, even though it's not as widespread as we'd like it to be. I love where we are, where so many more people are, are teaching and working mm-hmm. with that self-trust yeah. and that your relationship with your own body and not giving, you know, we still have them, the, the, seven day menus that will just transform your life in one week. Yes. (laughs) It would be wonderful if it worked that way. And it it, it doesn't. And I say that out loud. I'm like, would it be wonderful if it worked that day, that way? Because at the same time, the whole human experience and the journey is all part of the fun and the learning and the process. And so if everything was done in seven days, it might be boring. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Life keeps it interesting. I wanted to touch on one more topic because it's Mm -hmm. a blog post you wrote last year and it's a hot topic right now about inflammation. Oh yeah. Why is inflammation not the enemy? Mm. Because I'm, I hear a lot about (laughs) anti-inflammatory foods. In fact, I'm on an anti-inflammatory auto autoimmune protocol, but it's Mm -hmm. It's all anti-inflammatory foods. Yes. Yes. So there's a really important reason why I say inflammation is not the enemy. And that is because inflammation is part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean we want widespread chronic inflammation to happen because the body is, it's working so hard to heal that the body does start to break down because it's going to run out of resources. It's like when there's a lot of inflammation, you think about a sprained ankle is the Mm -hmm. the example I like to give. So when you sprain an ankle and the swelling and the redness and the pain and the bruising all happens, that's the inflammation part. Like inflammation is heat, redness, pain. And there's something else that just slipped my mind. There's four different, four different things that are inflammation. And so that is the body sending all, sending the cleanup crew, sending the troops in to clear the area and get the debris and clean it up and do all of the healing processes that it needs to do all the nutrients and the oxygen and all these beautiful things that happen during this process of your ankle healing. Mm -hmm. And so we accept that fully that there's going to be swelling, there's going to be pain, there's going to be redness. And we accept that's healing. We know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. We then separate inflammation is not that everywhere else. And that's not the truth because the body 
body doesn't work that way. The body's not, okay, here we're going to be inflamed because it's good. And over here, we're going to be inflamed because it's bad. That's not how it works. <laughs> so, so inflammation is the body in a state of healing. Now, like I said, we don't want to be in that chronic state because that's very exhausting for the body. And again, it's going to start breaking down because it's going to deplete itself of resources and energy mm -hmm. to keep doing that. So we don't want it to be there, but we also don't want to say we need to get rid of the inflammation. Mm. We need to know why the inflammation is there because the inflammation is only present for healing. So if inflammation is present, the body is trying to heal something. And so we go and shut off the inflammatory markers, but then we've got this whole thing happening underneath that's actually creating it that we haven't even looked at. So it's like when you constantly take, you know, ibuprofens and things like that for a headache, you know, you've got this inflammation and believe me, I understand. I dealt with headaches for years. I took Excedrin migraine for years, like almost daily. I don't even want to know what was doing that was doing to my gut and all the things. <laughs> I don't even need to know exactly what was happening there, but I took it for years. And what of course my headaches were was food intolerance. I was very highly intolerant to gluten, which I didn't understand at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was what was creating the chronic headaches. And so I kept shutting off the inflammation, thinking I'm doing something good for my body by getting rid of the pain. But in reality, I was shutting off the alarm system that my body was giving me that, Hey, I keep having to deal with the same thing over and over again. We need to get to the root of the problem mm -hmm. rather than just get rid of the inflammation. And so even in the, an anti-inflammatory diet, it can be that those foods are in fact creating the inflammation and yes, you want to get rid of them. But at the same time, it could be that there's other areas of inflammation coming in. Like we talked about just very briefly, the things going on in the nervous system and it being in fight flight and not being able to really tend to the things that are going on because all the resources are going to running from tigers. So we're going to have more inflammation potentially present because we're in that system and the body's, I don't want to heal right now. I need to run. So mm -hmm. I'm not worried about going and dealing with inflammation. And we have to always be looking at inflammation as, okay, it's trying to heal me. Why? Mm -hmm. What's going on in my body that's continuing to be present, that my body is having to produce inflammation in order to work with it. That's what we want to start looking at. And again, there's nothing potentially like wrong with doing something that's anti-inflammatory. At the same time, we want to be looking at why is the inflammation present? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a deeper inquiry. It's a deeper inquiry because the body does not make mistakes. She knows what she's doing. So if she's doing something that we may not understand, it doesn't mean that it's trying to harm you. She's trying to get your attention. I want to reiterate that because that's a pet peeve of mine. When people say my body is attacking itself. Yes. That is not the truth. No. That is not the truth at all. There may, there is a part of your body that is, let's say being focused on by your system, but there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. It's not just to go and harm you. And so you've got this body that's now betraying you is what people feel like. My body yeah. is betraying me. It's not working right. And it's not the truth at all. It's that there's something going on within that particular system. Let's just say thyroid. There's something going on in the area of the thyroid that the body is very focused on. And we want to know why the body is focused on that area because it's not doing it to, to destroy it. It's doing it because there's something happening there that we're not understanding. Absolutely.
I love that. And so to work with you is to dive into understanding it. It's diving into understanding it. And again, we start very, it is about the simplicity. Like we're going to start very simple. Like I was talking about that schedule. Okay. We're going to go from a 90 minute call to an email here. And that's how the process begins because majority of women who come to work with me are in some level of overwhelm. And so it's, we want to start with something simple and very practical that they can do and they can commit to and are willing to commit to and begin the process of trusting themselves to keep that commitment. And then we get to go deeper and then we get to go deeper and then we get to go deeper and just like unravel and allow the body to what I I like to call unfurling Mm. all of the things that it has to tell you, because there's so much there for her to tell you. And we have to get to the place where she has enough space to unfurl and give you all of her secrets because it's all there for you. It just takes some time to get to that place. That's beautiful. Do you have a a story for us, a a client story you'd like to share about them getting to that place where they're unfurling? I do. So I have a client who we worked together for a couple of years. And of course it always starts out with something like, it's, I need to have a better diet. How do I eat better? Something like that. Because again, like the cultural conditioning says, this is the problem. If you're having trouble losing weight, it's a food issue. And we always know that there's always so much more to the story than that. And so we started there very simply working with food and her relationship with food and some of the choices she was making. So we would start with just simple things like, okay, maybe at night we are going to do something different here. Like whenever your craving comes up, we're going to do something different here and we're just going to play with it. And you're going to ask yourself questions about it. And when those things come up, you're going to say, why am I feeling this way? And what is it that I'm really craving? Is there something else that I'm actually craving? And so we start really simple there. And so as we began to really unfurl from that place, and of course I knew from our first conversations, the layers that were going to come up, I could Mm -hmm. already begin to see what was, what also was going to be there. And as things began to open up and she really began to say, oh my gosh, it's not food. Like the food is a, was a really important piece, but it was the, it was the door to opening the unfurling for her, Mm. for each woman, there's a different door to open. And so it might be food. It might be sleep. It might be your menstrual cycle. There's a different door that's going to open for you to get to those next levels and layers and for that flower to open and unfurl and blossom. And so as we began that process and the unfurling happened, we began to see how she really felt about herself, why she made decisions the way that she made decisions, which was a phenomenal find. We found that she was making decisions from this one place that she felt was her yes. And what we found out, it was actually the complete opposite. So like Mm -hmm. when someone's making a, a yes from a high stimulation place and it feels really good, that's not always their yes. It's that impulse. It's an impulse. And so in the moment, in the impulse, it feels good and it's a yes, but there's always something that happens, not necessarily catastrophic, but something that happens that doesn't work out Mm -hmm. when we get them to a more neutral place, which feels totally foreign. And there's no way this is my yes. Then that's their actual yes. And then those doors really open for them. And so for her, it really was seeing the way that she was making decisions where she thought she was listening to her body was completely the opposite. And it was amazing because then it transformed how she made decisions everywhere in her life. 
It wasn't just about the food then. It was about like next steps in her business and how she moved her body and the re- her relationships, how she even related to her husband began to change and the conversations that they would have. Like everything started to change from her talking about food, learning how and why she was making decisions and then un- allowing that to unfurl in every area of her life. It was really, truly a phenomenal process to witness. That is, and just highlights to me how everything's connected. And then she gained this ability to make those actual aligned decisions in every yes. part of her life. In every part of her life. And so she would know if I'm going into this particular place with these behaviors, I need to pause before I make a decision. And it really just transformed how she was caring for herself and then everything around her. It really was, it was extraordinary. It was really an amazing thing to witness. Mm. Yeah. So would you call someone who has reached that place a well-nourished place? Is that more like this? Yes. That's definitely the self-trust, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Being a what I call a well-nourished woman really is the self-trust because mm. we don't get there without it. Mm. Because being well-nourished means you trust yourself to make those decisions and how you're going to tend to and care for yourself. You're going to trust how you put food in your body. You're going to trust how you're going to move. You're going to trust yourself to sleep. You're going to trust yourself in those like small daily decisions because those are what really build your foundation. So being well-nourished, it's almost like you trust yourself so much that you can relax into who you are. Absolutely. I love that. And as you were talking, I was remembering that also in that deep place of self-trust, then boundaries become easy. Yes. It's not yes. a, it's not an inner struggle of do I, it's more, as you said, you just, you just know, know what the right choice is for you. And then you act with yes. that and period, end of sentence. Exactly. You trust your yes and you trust your no, because that's really what boundaries are. It's, it's mm-hmm. trusting a yes and trusting a no. And you don't have the, the argument with yourself or the justifications of why you want to make this decision. It just is. Yeah. Or the arguments with other people in your life. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because boundaries are are, are a big topic for me. And I love how they're intertwined with that self-nourishment and that Mm self-trust and not just in our spiritual and emotional lives, but absolutely with our, our physical health. Absolutely. Yes. This has been such a beautiful conversation, Amy. I, I so love the work you're, do, you're doing and the way you tie it back to self-trust and helping women, what's the word, manage or transform their schedules and their sense of overwhelm mm-hmm. and learn to deeply trust themselves. That's vital work. Vitality coach. It's, yes. And it's essential work for us these mm-hmm. days. It is. It's essential for us and for women who have big visions and things they're birthing into the world and creating that foundational piece of really trusting yourself and really nourishing yourself first so that you can provide so much to everybody else mm-hmm. is a critical component that we've missed for far too long. And so it's we're going to bring you back to your body into the nourishment of self so that this vision you have in the world can actually take root. Yeah. So you can feed yourself and feed your work. Yes. Beautiful. Exactly. Yes. Amy, I know I'm I'm sure you have just really excited some women who are ready to transform their lives in this way. How can they find you and reach out to you? 
Yes. So the best way to find me is to go to my website, amygvitality.com or to follow me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page, Amy Gernot is where I do most of my work. So that's a great place to just start getting to know me. I also have a free Facebook group called the WTFs of womanhood, transforming all of that stuff into wisdom. So we get into that being a woman is terrible and it sucks. And I, (laughs) it just hurts my heart when women feel that way, but I also understand because I've been there and it's taking all of that and bringing into this place of what the wisdom that's truly there. So those are really three really great places to follow me and get to know me and to just come into my world. Beautiful. I will be joining that Facebook group and we'll have all the links in the show notes for, so people can find you and connect with you and start getting their lives to a place that is full of self-trust and vitality. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you again for having me. This was a beautiful conversation and I'm so appreciative. Absolutely. That's it for us today, ladies and gentlemen, or just ladies, whoever you are out there. This has been the Women's Sanctuary. Please follow and subscribe. Find us on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and in the website, thewomensagency.com and thewomensanctuary.com for, for all our episodes and upcoming episodes. And just as I mentioned, this program is supported and sponsored by the Women's Agency, a full-service podcast production and coaching agency for women. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you here again next time on the Women's Sanctuary. Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.